Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hey, you put down those TikToks, all right? It's time to start listening to some college basketball talks, some Kansas talk. How many... How many videos of people skateboarding, drinking cranberry juice, skinny handle? All right. It's go time here. It's sweater weather. You know what that means. Getting close. What's today? 22nd? Yeah, the 22nd. Just losing time here in this wacky year. So we're a month and three days away. Wow, from the start of college basketball season. I am Jonas Nordman. This is the Believe and Jayhawks basketball show on the Believe Podcast Network, your number one podcast network for professionals. We believe in our teams. Do you believe? Hey, if, you, if you're a fan of other teams other than Kansas basketball, we got a show for that. If you're a fan of The Bachelorette, they got a show for that. If you're a fan of fitness, tech, sports broadcasting, there's a show for that on the Believe Podcast Network. It's a real potpourri of quality programming, if you will. But I appreciate you tuning in to listen to this, to this program, this specific one. Got an interesting show for you on the docket. A couple different topics. One, KU, or sorry, the Big 12 SEC Challenge is set. We now know who Kansas will for sure play in January. We have another story, and this is a tough one that we missed out on one day later after we recorded last Thursday. I want to get into that real quickly. And then, of course, the Big 12 previews will roll on through. Yeah, decided to keep it in the Bedlam rivalry. We're rolling through with our covered wagon, which can only mean one thing. Yes, we're going to talk about Lon Kruger and his tiny little glasses down there in Norman. No relation to me, Jonas Nordman. There's a D in there. But I digress. Let's start with let's start with the lighter news, shall we? The 2021 SEC Big 12 Challenge matchups are set. Who is Kansas playing? Drum roll, please. It's Tennessee. I guess I didn't build up the drama too well, but based off of or continuing off of the game they played earlier this year, which feels like forever ago. Remember, that was immediately after KU fought K-State. <laughs> so Kansas was a few men short, a dollar short. But they were able to handle Tennessee when Yudoka Azabuki was on the floor. Eve Pons is still with the Volunteers. So that should be a good game. The game is in Knoxville for 2021. And it'll be a good challenge. Anytime you go on the road, 
Who knows what the crowd situation will be by then? It's down in the South. It's down in Tennessee. So it'll probably be a sellout. (laughs) But Tennessee was a bit of a challenge. They made things difficult. Kansas was, of course, like I mentioned, shorthanded. But whenever Yudoka was in the game, they blew him out. Of course, there's no Yudoka Azabuki for the upcoming year. Will that be the ultimate difference maker? We'll have to find out. Good matchup, though. Probably... As I look over the docket of SEC Big 12 Challenge 2021, that's most likely the best of the list. Auburn at Baylor, I thought was going to be a really good one, but people don't seem to be expecting much out of Auburn this year. Florida at West Virginia. Anytime anyone has to go to West Virginia, that's a bit of a culture shock. Uh, Texas Tech at LSU, that should be a good matchup. I take it back. That's probably the preeminent matchup, depending how you feel about Texas also. Texas going to Kentucky, that might be. But Kansas at Tennessee, really good game. I'm sure we'll see KU playing Kentucky next year in this challenge, considering that they're not playing them this year in all likelihood because they are facing them in the Champions Classic. Anywho. That gets that out of the way. Eighth annual SEC Big 12 Challenge. How about that? Time flies when you're having fun. I'm trying to f- see if this release has the record from last year. It does not because this is the SEC home website, which probably confirms what I was thinking. I believe Big 12 won last year. <laughs> All right. Moving on. Tough news. Nothing life-threatening. Nothing crazy like that, but look, this is a guy who's had some troubles during his time in Lawrence. Now he won't be in Lawrence anymore. Uh, The news broke last Friday, sort of middle of the day, that Silvio DeSosa, Kansas forward, former now Kansas forward, probably gives you an idea where this is going, opted out of the upcoming season for quote-unquote personal reasons. So when I first saw the news, I initially thought he was, when I saw the words opting out, I initially thought, oh, okay, this is a COVID-19 opt out. Can't blame the kid. No worries. Do what's best for you. Stay safe. That doesn't seem to be the case. He released a statement on Twitter. He tweeted Isaiah 4110. You know, I'm not going to pretend to be some Bible expert. So if someone wants to write into me at Twitter, at Jonas 90 Instagram, at JonasN310, let me know what that proverb's all about. I didn't know that the Bible said something about not playing a college basketball season. He has a long statement. I'm not going to go through it all. The highlights basically being I have a lot of things weighing in my mind. I need to address these by taking time for myself and stepping away from basketball. It's apparently for family reasons. Bill Self's quote afterwards was, it was clear this was the best decision for him and Kansas basketball to leave the program. He said he's focusing on matters in his personal life and that it became clear in recent workouts that DeSosa was distracted. Hmm. I have no more information than that. I haven't seen any rumors 
I couldn't tell you what's behind DeSosa stepping away from a pure basketball standpoint, which probably is the least important aspect in all of this. But this is a Kansas basketball show, and they are about to kick off, excuse me, they're about to tip off a new year. How does it affect the roster? Well, was there perhaps a chance that he's taking a look at the roster and saying, I'm just not going to be playing anyways? Maybe. We know that David McCormick is firmly entrenched as the starting center for Kansas basketball. We know that Bill Self and the rosters tend or have been tending to lean towards four-guard lineups, and it was very likely that they would go with a four-guard lineup for the upcoming year. It was so effective for them down the home stretch of last year and really the last couple of years. I think it's going to fit their personnel this year as well. Even if they play someone like Tristan Anaruna at the four, that's sort of a swing man and a small power forward's body. So maybe he saw that between McCormick, between Lightfoot, and who knows what's happening with the new guy, Jethro Muscadin, the new center, the freshman center. Maybe DeSosa saw that this could potentially be another lost year in terms of playing time. It's going to be regardless now, as he is completely leaving the program. So, yes, in terms of a basketball standpoint, that hurts the depth, obviously. Because we as fans, and unless you've been sitting in practices and you know what Bill Self and the team is getting from Jethro Muscadin, you know, that now leaves you with two proven and established commodities and McCormack and Mitch Lightfoot. And remember, Mitch Lightfoot's basically, what, six seven six eight as your center. So that puts even more responsibility on David McCormack. Can he handle it? I believe so. But this is his year where he's taking that step forward and trying to prove something like this is not Yudoka Azubuki firmly established as a superstar. No, this is not Jeff Withy yet. (laughs) Not even Landon Lucas quite yet. I think he's got the ability to be better than all of those guys in terms of athleticism and ability. But he hasn't shown it yet. Of course, I'm talking about David McCormick. So, yeah, that, that will probably force Musket into some more playing time, maybe some emergency roles. And onward we go. From DeSosa's point of view, what a tumultuous career. So much potential, just oozing with potential. Started with him joining mid-season, remember? Right at the turn of the calendar in 2018. Kansas going through some, you know, sort of par for the course. They had some roster issues. They brought in this kid who graduated high school early from, I believe, IMG Academy down there in Bradenton. And right away, he showed the potential. And he hopped on, and the team went on to a Final Four run. And he was a pretty decent contributor for that Final Four run. 
course, they also beat West Virginia in the Big 12 title game. Big part of that. Then, of course, the issues came. Sat out the entire sophomore season over complications from the whole Adidas scandal. And actually, his issues came from Under Armour when he was being recruited by Maryland. Supposedly improper benefits. Sat out the entire sophomore year. And then last year, as he was getting his feet back under him, did not play well over the first half of the year. And then, of course, the enduring image of him holding a chair, holding a stool over his head, which he did not throw down. And the subsequent, subsequent, subsequent 12-game suspension that followed essentially ruining his junior year. There were some ups. There were mostly downs for DeSosa. While he was in Lawrence, it's tough. He seemed like a good kid. Seemed like his teammates loved him. Didn't seem to have any issues with the coaching staff, you know, other than the suspension. That's tough. And it does hurt the roster. Depth, there's nothing wrong with quality depth. Even if he was not really effective when he played last year and if he's going to be rusty, as he's essentially now going to be sitting out two years leading into this upcoming season, that's still a warm body with some good athleticism who's played in some big moments. And now he's not on the program anymore. But most importantly, I hope that whatever he needed to take care of gets taken care of. I hope he's healthy. I hope his family's okay. And I do hope we see him on a basketball court somewhere. Um, I don't know what his eligibility will be like if he has to transfer somewhere or if he's able to come back. Um, If nothing else, hopefully he gets a chance to get paid, you know, straight up to play basketball. If not here in the U.S. in the G League or in the NBA eventually, Maybe somewhere in Europe, overseas, I guess I should say, not necessarily Europe. So keep an eye out for Silvio DeSoso. Kid is still chiseled from marble. Great pod. What a time we called basketball, by the way. I'm looking at the article about Silvio DeSoso opting out, and on the side, and like related articles from last week. <laughs> The one right under DeSouza, UMass penalized for hoops and tennis violations. Purdue to start practices after retests are negative. Alabama's Oates, that's their head coach, uh, Nate Oates, nothing having to do with like the grain. Alabama's Oates said he had positive tests in July. Ex-Texas state coach Casper denies being racist. What a great time in the sport right now. (laughs) All right, moving on. Let's get something a little bit more positive, or at least a little bit more, something with more substance. Let's learn about Boomer Sooner, Oklahoma, where the wind comes whipping down the plains. Oklahoma last year, a record of 19 and 12, a Big 12 record of 9 and 9 that technically made them tied for third with a handful of other teams. Things started off well enough for the Sooners. As they started the season 11 and 3, but then the wheels fell off in Big 12 play. Remember this, the Believe in Jayhawks basketball show. As we are starting up our Big 12 previews, we've talked about TCU, K State, Oklahoma State, and Iowa State. We are now getting into that meaty middle of the Big 12. 
For wondering about Oklahoma, if you sort of use them as a gauge for when they played Kansas, did not go well for them. They lost both games, 66 to 52, and then 87 to 72 blowouts against the Jayhawks. The team numbers for Oklahoma, 70.2 points per game, 229th in the nation. Although I figure the college team is averaging 70 per game, it's actually decent. Not that bad. 36.9 rebounds per game. That's 137th in the country. 11.8 assists per game. 332nd in the country. That is not great. And they allowed 67 points per game. Who's gone? Pretty big names for Oklahoma. Christian Doolittle, their leading scorer. Going out the door is 15.8 points per game. And Jamal Bienemy, 5.2 points per game. Good guard. Yes, Bienemy. Recognize the last name if you're a Chiefs fan. Related to the offensive coordinator, Eric Bienemy. That's not really the big story here. Is that Christian Doolittle is gone. Was I the biggest fan of Christian Doolittle as a player? No, but 15.8 points per game. that's That's a mouthful. Sort of speaks for itself. The guy I know knew how to put the biscuit in the basket. And that's tough. They sort of had a, a nice little trio going with him and some more names that are coming up that are still there. So gone is Doolittle. That leaves more responsibility for players such as Austin Reeves, senior guard. Average 14.7 points per game. Remember a transfer from Wichita State who did not fare well in his games, in the big games, I should say. Games against Kansas, games against Baylor, all four of which, two by two, that Oklahoma lost. That's when Reeves really shrank. Tuesday, January 14th versus Kansas, a game that KU won by 14. Reeves goes one of nine for four points. Monday, January 20th, just about a week later, at Baylor, a game that they lose by four. I watched that game. Oklahoma had the chance to win that game, and honestly, it was Austin Reeves who kept them from winning it. He went three of 17, only eight points. Saturday, February 15th, maybe had a heck of a, of a Valentine's Day. Who knows? But they, <laughs> Oklahoma loses 87 to 70. Reeves goes four of 14 for 12 points. Did he get four free throws in? And then the very next game, whew, what a week for Oklahoma. They went Kansas, and then they played Baylor, a game that Baylor beat Oklahoma by 11. Reeves goes one of five for just two measly points. What I'm getting at here is in the biggest games of the year, Austin Reeves tended to shrink, and this is your leading score coming back for Oklahoma. Here's a player who qualifies in the Oh, I thought that guy graduated category. Brady Manick. The one who sort of looks like Larry Bird and everything except for production. 14.4 points per game. He is finally a senior in this upcoming year. Then Davion Harmon, a sophomore guard. You know what? For a freshman, getting 7.4 points per game. Not too shabby. This is a guy who's going to have to run the point for OU. In the season, that is right around the corner. And then you have Alondez Williams, a little senior leadership, the guard. Six points per game. 
and then a couple of warm bodies in Kerr, Quath, Victor, Ewell, Akor, and Jalen Hill. None of those guys average more than 3.4 points per game. In terms of what's new, what's shiny, in Norman, not much is shiny. The, building, the buildings are pretty nice on campus. The football stadium is grand. But I got to say, I went to a basketball game in Norman a couple years ago. I was, I was looking forward to it also. Big game, Kansas coming in. Who knows? Very underwhelmed. Yeah, sorry. That's what I got to say. I, I think the place comes alive for football season. And when that's finished, I don't know. I, th- I think people just forget about <laughs> OU. But here's what's new. Two freshmen, both of which three-star recruits, Josh O'Garo and Trey Phipps. P-H-I-P-P-S, Trey Phipps. Phipps is from Booker T. Washington School in Tulsa. Josh O'Garo from Santa Clarita Christian School in Canyon Country, California. A little bit north of Los Angeles. Two redshirt freshmen, Enyang Garang and Rick Isanza. Wasn't that the name of the kid in Arrested Development, Enyang? Let me know. And then two transfers, Umoja Gibson from North Texas and Elijah Harkless from Cal State Northridge. They've got a little bit of a Noah's Ark situation, two of each in terms of new players, two freshmen, two redshirt freshmen, and two transfers none of which seem to be of impact. 24-7 has this as the 85th nationally ranked recruiting class. Neither Phipps nor O'Gara are highly regarded recruits. Both of them, like I said, three stars, but maybe they'll get coached up. I don't want to put down the kids. They're both college basketball players, and I'm not. Here's the outlook for Oklahoma. It, it looks like they're going to have to rely pretty heavily on Austin Reeves and Brady Manick, which to me feels like a tough predicament. Both of them talented, yes. Both of them coming back with pretty strong returning numbers. But each time I watch those guys, I just think there's inconsistencies. I went over the big game numbers for Reeves. We've now seen Brady Manick for three years. Are there games where he explodes and is dangerous and every shot he puts up goes in? Yeah, but I just don't believe he's a reliable go-to player. So a duo of Manic and Reeves, I'd say that twosome makes them better than the teams that we've already talked about, but that is not a roster and that is not really a dynamic duo that puts them in the top tier of the Big 12. Davion Harmon will need to take a big step forward as a point guard. And to their credit, Lon Kruger does tend to put out well-coached teams that are very tough to deal with. It gets rare you see Oklahoma coming up on the schedule and you say, oh, all right, that's an easy one. Last year, yes, KU did blow through them, but last year was a special year and we got robbed of the opportunity to see them in March. But it's again, rarely does Kansas 
just handle Oklahoma. Long Kruger, K-State guy, right? Tends to make life difficult for the Jayhawks. I think best case scenario for Oklahoma this year, maybe battle for fourth or fifth. Like if, if Reeves and Manic really go off, if Davion Harmon is a quality point guard, if they get some outside shooting from unlikely sources, most likely, I think they're in the mix for like sixth or seventh. Makes a difference. Bottom half of the table, right? 10 teams. If they can get above midway point, I think that's a good year for Oklahoma. That probably means they'd get themselves into the NCAA tournament. Battling for sixth or seventh, that's a bubble team in all likelihood. So that's Oklahoma. Two reliable players or two players that you know what you're going to get out of. Some more question marks around them. Losing Doolittle really hurts in a year like this. But I think we're going to be seeing Oklahoma at least competing for March basketball. Haven't been able to say that quite yet about the teams we've been talking about. I think Oklahoma is the start of what we're looking at, bubble territory and teams that are are very likely to make March Madness next year. All right. Again, next week, we have the options between West Virginia, Texas, and Texas Tech. Be sure to tune in so you know who we're talking about next. I think I've got an inkling of who I want to be and who to save for last. If you haven't figured out, Baylor is going to be the last team that we preview. One of the top teams in the nation, one of Kansas's, or certainly Kansas's number one competitor for Big 12 title this year. But we are matriculating our way through the Midwest and, of course, West Virginia. Another great episode. Appreciate you listening. Um, if you see any news about Silvio de Sosa, pass it my way. If you see any rumors about what happened, I will also be keeping an eye out. But, of course, everyone stay safe. It is sweater weather out there, so stay warm. And as always, stay cool and rock chalk. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.